Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, guess what? I'm so excited because this episode of Adulting is brought to you by Time of the Month Organic. They're the guys that sent me my menstrual cup. If you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you can find them at at TOTM Organic on Instagram. And basically they sell eco-friendly, vegan, cruelty-free, organic cotton tampons. I know that sounds like my really long order at Starbucks and they sell reusable menstrual cups. If you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I am completely converted and love it. Anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit more later on in the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode and thanks again to Time of the Month. Welcome to Adulting. This is the podcast where we discuss that time in your life where you don't really necessarily know what's going on, but you think that you're supposed to know. And today I have a very exciting guest with me. He's been very elusive, very hard to get, but I finally got him. It's Henry Fraser. Hello. Um, Thanks for having me on. No, you're more than welcome. Thanks so much for coming. Well, actually, I came to you. It's like, <laughs> but yeah. So Henry Fazer is a really inspirational guy, and you might know him from his book, which is out called The Little Big Things. Um, and you might have seen him on Instagram. He does really inspirational mouth paintings, which are incredible. Do you want to explain a little bit of how this came about, like why you wrote this book? And well, I um, well, I had an accident back in uh, July two thousand nine. When I was on the beach one day, me and my mates had a kind of lads holiday abroad. We went to Portugal for a week. Um, then one day we were just playing muck around on the beach as I had done kind of the few previous days before. Um, kind of chucking a rugby ball around, kicking a football around. And I decided to go run to the sea and cool off. I mean, I'd done the exact same thing earlier that day. But this time I ran into different parts of the sea off the beach. Dive forward from where I thought the seabed would carry on dipping down getting deeper but it turns out there was just kind of a sandbank in the way and I dived forward on head first straight into sandbank and dislocated my neck and from that moment on I was paralysed from uh, the neck down I was kind of just left there floating in the sea kind of worried for my life really I mean I thought at that point I was going to die mm. um, very lucky I had two friends who close by who I'd followed into the water there to one side. And they asked me if I was okay. I managed to barely get my mouth out of the water and say no. They dragged me out of the water. And then from that moment, I was taken to hospital. Uh, taken to hospital, had surgeries on my neck, had all kinds of illnesses and other ailments and trucks beyond belief and surgery to uh, screw and wire the vertebrae back into place. Pacemaker, because my heart kept stopping and all these things mm. um, and then a few weeks there came back to England six months in hospital in England trying to kind of get myself as fit and healthy as possible and try and push myself and that's what the book's about really and then the years between that happening and the book before I even started the book I never thought in my life I'd ever write a book I've never been the biggest reader I've never thought about sharing my story in that way but someone asked me if I wanted to share my story and my experiences and I just thought why not I'll give it a go see what happens and yeah it's kind of been a bit mad the whole thing it's all I don't know it's way more than I ever expected but I think that's because your reaction or the way that you've dealt with the situation is more than anyone could expect like I was when I was reading the book it's so overwhelming I mean for anyone nowadays we all talk about mental health so at the forefront and everyone in kind of any position has days where they're like I'm finding this really hard but when you read the book like I honestly read it and I couldn't explain it's so what well, I was I was saying I was emailing Henry like swearing like you're <laughs> <"That's> amazing <laughs> la, la, because you, I just can't explain how how overwhelming and grounding it is to read someone who's been through something which 
in any situation is going to be probably one of the most difficult things anyone could face. And it's just your outlook and your positivity. And obviously, I'm sure I'm sure that there were times when it was really, really difficult. But, I mean, everyone needs to read the books. Anyway, the list of big things, very, very good. But it's just the way that you, you've now completely changed your outlook on life. And I actually like bookmark little quotes that I even read now. There's stuff about when you like first have that drink of water and I never really knew what it meant to be thirsty until I had that and yeah well I'd gone five weeks without eating or drinking a thing so when I had those moments again maybe no about six seven weeks actually without eating or drinking and you forget about those things and when you have it I was desperate for I was desperate for a drink yeah. all the time but I wasn't allowed because my body all the muscles in my neck and chest and everything I wasn't allowed to swallow anything just in case it went down the wrong way and I, I'm not able to get it back up again and I can choke and all those kinds of things so when I tasted it I was like this is the best thing I've never really tasted water and things like you just learn to grasp those little moments those things that give you a boost that, mm. that's one of the things I want to get across in the book I didn't want to sugarcoat anything I no. wanted to go is tell people how dark I was in my mind and how ill my health was and all these things and because I wanted to kind of show that no matter what these circumstances no matter what happens to us we can still find positives in these situations and sometimes it does you do have to go to those dark places to almost start from the bottom yeah. and I had I speak about it in the book kind of the toughest day I had and it'll probably be the toughest day I ever have in my life, was when I was put into a wheelchair for the first time. Mm. And I think it was about nearly two months after the accident happened. Um, and I was taken around the hospital, and I was finally able to get up and see all the places my friends and my family had been talking about. And I thought, oh, that's fantastic, it's the best thing. And we went outside, it was kind of, it was kind of mid-September, it's still warm, it, went out, walked around the hospital, about to come through the main entrance of the hospital, which was these two big glass doors. And the first time in two months, I saw my reflection. Mm. And the last time I saw myself was probably before on the night out, before the day before the accident. And before the accident, I was this fit and healthy 17-year-old boy. And kind of loved the gym, I was strong, I was healthy. And then I saw myself and I was in this big chair big headrest so I couldn't support my own head armrests I was, I was so thin my clothes just hanging off me I had the tracheotomy in my throat with an oxygen tank attached to it because I still couldn't breathe properly for myself and I, like the world just froze around me mm. and I was I'd lost four stone at that point I was so thin and then I got back to my room pulled the curtain around my bed and I just cried and I cried my mum was with me, I just wanted to be able to hug my mum. Yeah. I couldn't even hug my mum. And I was just crying. My brothers came to see me, I was crying. My dad came to see me after work. I was crying, and then he left. He was always last to leave. And I was on some pretty strong sleeping tablets at that time, but not even those was could send me to sleep that night. And I, I don't know, I guess about three, four in the morning, I was just crying. And then I just had this kind of moment where I just couldn't cry anymore. And I just... Generally, just thought to myself, I was like, all right, kind of, I want no one to blame what's happened. I may as well just get on with it. And then from that moment, my whole mindset changed. Because mm. I guess before that moment, I always had this kind of that denial in the back of my head of, oh, I want to be fine, I want to walk out of hospital. And yeah, before that point, I had found positive moments, but in my head, there was always the, that hint of denial. And this had just... Kind of the reality of the rest of my life had been shown to me in that reflection and at that point I just had to deal with it there's no point trying to trying to have those moments of denial I just, I, this is me I need to get on with it and then from that moment I was able to right, focus, I'm going to focus on all the things I can do look at the right things try and get rid of this ventilator, ventilator full time get rid of the oxygen tank, get rid of all those things and just bit by bit build it up. I say that like, one of the things that I think is so positive about the book, just for everyone to understand, is I never really realised if someone suffered from like paralysis or that kind of injury, the extent of all the other problems that you have coming off the back of that and how much you would have had to go through. Because to get from there to where you are now, I guess no one really sees into that space where... No, and 
I mean, I never knew about it before, Max, either. I, I, like most people, when you see someone in a wheelchair, you just think, oh, they can't walk. Yes. But there are so many. There's just basic things. So from, in many cervical injuries with the neck, my level up really, people are ventilated at the start because the lungs shut down, they won't work. So I had to retrain my lungs, I had to push my body, really yeah. trying to get the work again. And being through those things, you have to look after your skin because the skin's completely prone to pressure sores and breaking. And yeah. Those things can set you back months and months. And I've been with people who had sores and they were then bedbound for three or four months. And and things, the body, temperature control in the body completely goes. So you have to learn about that. You can't, you get, body gets too hot in the sun, you see can't be outside too cold the opposite way so there's all these things and I mean there's still kind of things we're learning now but yeah it's kind of life you just adapt to them and everyone has little things they have to change to they those are just mine do you think in a weird way like when you saw yourself and you realized that actually I am gonna like be disabled it gave you like more certainty than you'd ever had about like I've got to make the most of everything kind of thing do you know what I mean yeah well before my accident um I mean, I took a lot for granted. I was, I was very lucky. Um, me and my brothers were all sent to very good schools. Mm. We were kind of in the best environments possible. We grew up and our parents given us kind of just a great life. And I guess I kind of coasted a lot of the time and just because things came naturally. I never really had to push myself. And then suddenly when everything's taken away from you, mm. yes, I've still got my family. Yes, I've still got my friends I've still got the people I love around me most of the time but then suddenly I thought oh, if the accident was always going to happen in my life if I go back and do all those things again I would have I would have yeah. put so much more effort into it and there's a great quote I read once and I can't remember it was by but someone said it's not it's not the things you do that you regret it's the things that you don't do Yeah. and that, I, I never really thought about that until recently I think there's some it's so true. But by the same token, like you are, like you say that, but I think you're, when you're like, I never had to work for anything, but clearly your character and your resilience and who you are has enabled you to like deal with it. I'm sure that you, you know. Oh, no, no, for the accident, I was very, mentally very, very weak. Really? I used to just give up on a lot of things if I knew they wouldn't work. I wouldn't, if there was ever a chance of me failing at something, I'd rather not do it. Yeah. Then push myself and do it and fail and learn from it. I was just so scared. Those things, like, I used to have, I used to get anxious about so many things and worry about everything. Really? Whereas now, it's kind of, I've had to put all my strength, I've had to kind of switch it all into my head. And I'm kind of complete reverse of how I was before. Um, so now I'm so open to trying things and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, because fine, at least I know it doesn't work. I yeah. I've done it. Just things like, I used to be, Public speaking used to terrify me mm. more than anything else. I hate, hated being in front of people. <laughs> I hate it right now. <laughs> no, not now. I was meant to say hated, but I don't know why I said hate. <laughs> I'm not giving him the yeah. worst time right now. <laughs> He's like, hey, you go in. Um, but I couldn't even get up in front of a class of 10 people and give a presentation. Mm. And now I was given the opportunity a few years ago now to give a talk and share my story. And I just thought, why not? I'll give it a go. And I spent six months working on the best script for it. We worked very hard and for the whole week before the first talk, I was a wreck. I wasn't talking to anyone in my family. <laughs> I was talking to my friends. It was like, people just leave me alone and like, I'm so nervous. Oh no. I could barely sleep. But then I did it and I was like, this is brilliant. I really enjoyed it. And after the end, I kind of had this rush off it. And now public speaking is a big part of my life and being in front of people a lot. And it's, like those things like I just wish I'd tried it before and why I just kind of think to myself why didn't I do it why didn't I just but maybe that go like, for it you don't want to regret that because you know, you, for all you know like it, it would have taken this to make you like live the best life that yeah you know? no that's why it's, that's, I always say kind of adversity has given me a mm. gift it's given me the chances to do all of these things it's like a a sec- I've been given a second chance but then by the same token like I can't even imagine how hard it's so hard to broach it because I want to be like you're incredible this is amazing mm-hmm. but then at the same time I'm like this is fucking difficult what you're dealing with and like I'm sure it's still hard now even though you're so positive um, no I mean now I'm kind of in a place where I've 
I don't know, kind of guess I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah. Um, I get to kind of the work I do, jobs that I want to be able to do. I've not been forced down one way or the other. I'm one of the kind of lucky people in this world that gets to say I really kind of love what I do. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's one of these things that just happens and it's just my life. I'm getting on with it and trying to live it how everyone else lives theirs. So in terms of like coming back to adulting, like when you were younger and the way that you looked at life or like how you put your up and like now the way that you look at things, how else has that changed? I guess I've kind of learned I need to be a bit more organised and plan things. And <laughs> Whereas now I'm kind of, I've got a focus when I do something, I'll really focus on it and make sure I'm going to do it. And, and like I said, I just try things and try and, if they don't work, then I can learn from it and then I can just how I progress with other things like art. If I do a painting it doesn't work, then I can be all right, that doesn't work. Maybe if I try this and it's just trying to make myself better at the things I'm currently doing. Yeah. Whether it be talks and learning from each talk and adjusting each time if I spot a bit in the script that two weeks ago sounded good but now it doesn't, so I'll change it and it's just little things and it is all little things that you need to keep adjusting and working on it seems like you've got really great patience and also like especially talking about your art like even if you go back through like how your art's progressed and how incredible it is and you just seem to have a real understanding of now like you just always seem to draw the positive out of things which is what is so amazing because it's really born out of as you said like a hard time but yeah um see i mean trying to find again for the accident i'd never find positives anywhere at all in anything I did I'd always be finding negatives mm. um, whereas now it's kind of there's no point ever looking at the negatives I don't, just don't see the need for it and it's yeah. only looking at those things is only destructive it's never going to help you it's never going to help anyone yes spotting negatives and dealing with them and adapting to them fine but always dwelling on it I just don't see the point Whereas now, always, no matter what I do, I would always try and find a positive. Do you think it's rubbed off on people around you, like your friends and family? Um, I don't know. I think I was kind of probably most negative out of probably anyone I knew. But do you think your positivity now? Because coming out from like when I read your book, there were certain bits, and I actually had to make notes on my phone that I was going to change certain things because I just read certain things that really gave me such a good perspective and I was like, right, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z anymore. And I'm sure that people have read your book and had that same response. And I love, there's also a bit where you're like, I also don't want people to think that I'm writing this, but I don't want you to feel sorry for me, I'm not saying this, I'm saying mm. you need to realise where the good is in everything, which is an amazing point of view. Yeah, um, I guess because I'm around friends and family all the time, maybe I, maybe they have, but maybe I just don't see it because yeah. I'm just with them as... You're just always imparting wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Never, ever. No. Um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it has. I've kind of never really spoke to my friends about how they've kind of reacted to these mm. things. Yes, they've told me about certain things, but I guess we just we just kind of got on and got on with things as normal. I guess yeah. how we were before the accident. Yes, kind of when I was with my friends at the start, it was very emotional. We cried a lot together, but. Now we're just as kind of stupid as we ever were when we're in a group. <laughs> I guess some things never change. That's enough. To say. Obviously, yeah. that's what we're talking about. But before, like, it seems no matter how old you get, you always feel too young. Like, I still feel like I'm not an adult or like I'm not ready to face certain things. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I'm 26 years old and yes, I've kind of got a hold of kind of most of the things I'm doing, but still times so I'm still I can't believe I'm 26 this is yeah still feel like I'm last years of school my late teens hanging out with my mates but I guess I guess that's quite a nice thing though yeah. at the same time it's it's like these things are still normal that's still you're still able to have fun and enjoy yourself like you were when you were younger yeah I think I think maybe it's just you never you just feel as young all the time because you're always that age. I don't know if that makes sense. But it's when I feel yeah. old is when I'll try and make an excuse and I'm like, oh, it's because I'm only 24 and I'm like, oh, shit, no, probably. <laughs> I probably can't use that as an excuse anymore, <laughs> which is really annoying. But looking forward, what about, so after all this, is there anything particularly that you like have a goal that you really want to achieve or? 
Um, good question. <laughs> and it's one of the things everyone always asks me in my, was in the book and in my talks, so I always, I, there's a big bit where I talk about goals and, mm. and goal setting. Um, but at the moment, no, I guess the book took over my life more than I thought it would. Were you, expect, were you overwhelmed by the response? Oh, massively. Um, kind of the messages I've had from people like yourself and others have been, like, it's crazy. But I'm, I've read the book not really expecting much. Mm. I guess so that at the same time, if stuff did happen, it would just feel that much better. Yeah, um, I do that too. <laughs> good. Oh yeah, no, it makes things that much yeah. nicer. But, I don't know, it's just, at the moment, I'm kind of catching up on all the art that kind of backed up whilst, the, whilst promoting the book. And mm. I've got an exhibition coming up in September. Um, so that's my next goal, and there are a couple of things that are kind of in the Pipeline. In the pipeline, but kind of unsure about them. But I don't know. Maybe they'll come out next year. When you were writing the book, like, was that a really enjoyable process? Did you think actually this is really cathartic? Or um, no, I mean the whole the uh, cathartic release came when I wrote the first part of my story on my website. Right. Because um, I guess at that point I'd never really kind of spoken to anyone about what had mm. happened. I think it was about ten months after the accident happened. Um, and at that point for typing I was using a kind of headset microphone and so I was talking to the laptop and I was, I was saying all this stuff out loud and that was quite tough at times because um, at that point of course everything from the start was still fresh in my mind um, but now I mean I enjoyed writing the book it was, it was quite interesting trying to get the whole narrative out of it and mm. build a story and get the emotion but that's sort of so cool because you're not like you didn't study writing or anything and you've written it it's like a really good like it's an amazing yeah. story at, at the end of itself but then you've also like you said it's got a narrative and it's got yeah I mean yeah I mean I, I hated writing at school I hated <laughs> reading that because I was I only liked sport and I only liked the creative subjects mm. and, um, so yeah that I guess that was a big challenge trying to switch my mind into writing mode and um, but it was fun and it's trying to get other people's um, side of the story as well and all the bits that I missed kind of the bits mm. when I was stuck in bed and they were around the hospital and all these other things going on that I didn't get to see so speaking to everyone else about it and, and then trying to edit it down and but I enjoyed it I mean the toughest bit was trying to get all the, the last details at the end trying to get the front cover finalised yeah I got to write all. I got to write the title and the chapter titles and paint the picture on the front. Oh, that's so cool! I didn't even know that. Yeah, so it's um, so I enjoyed that. That was quite a fun yeah. process, but it takes longer and it's kind of everyone's got their own ideas and luckily the kind of head publisher I was working with, she was kind of on the same wavelength as me, so we managed to get what I wanted mostly. So yeah, it worked out well. Grace, yeah, you know that I like love talking about periods. I think everyone knows that. Well, I was just wondering because you've changed, haven't you? What you've been using as your sanitary product? I absolutely have, and I'm so <laughs> excited about it. What have you been using? So I um, got my period last week, and I was so excited for the first time ever. I got to switch to my menstrual cup, which I've been waiting to do for so long. I, I've been loving it. Have you been, because I've got, we were on our periods at the same time. Yeah, we literally as like always. Twins. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love my menstrual cup. It's just cheaper, better, because when we were in Venice, the best thing was, I didn't have to take how yeah. many tampons out with me. I just had my menstrual cup. In general, I've been using the organic tampons because I literally had no idea about the difference between tampons. And obviously I'm vegan as well. And I yeah. had no idea that obviously you just don't think of things like material things as not being vegan so as soon as I found out about time of the month I was so excited because if you think about it you think about everything else you put into your body and if you think about it tampons spending a lot of time up in there yeah well hopefully not too much no that is why I do like a menstrual cup though because you can actually leave it in for like 12 hours I think although I do change it on the red better for the environment it's better for you and it's just so much easier it's so fab just having one thing like I remember thinking that was so stressful you had a really small clutch bag on a night out and I'd literally have like to use 50 tampons, yeah, half of the bag for all the tampons. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. 
as we know, I go through a tampon very fast, yeah. especially at the beginning of my period. So to have something I can talk up that holds so much more yeah. periodicus. And you can get different sizes depending on like if you've given birth or if you're under a certain age and you haven't had sex. We're size the second size. We're over. Don't tell people I've had sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a virgin. Thank you very much. Sorry, I keep forgetting. Oh, so, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for sharing your switch story with me. That's okay. I'll share anything with you. So, in terms of like as well within like I guess people who have been paralysed or in the disabled community, have you found that the, that this book has like helped people in those situations as well? Because I really don't think that a story like this has been in mainstream media ever, um, really. I've had a lot of messages from a lot of disabled people saying that it's kind of helped them and give them a, a different perspective. Mm. Um, I mean, there are many people out there with stories like mine and people who think like me, but I was just lucky I was given the opportunity yeah. to present uh, present myself in a book. And I guess I was given... Um, I've been given a very kind of popular social media platform and um, and following and I guess it'd be irresponsible of me if I didn't use it in the right way and mm. share the right stories and try and help others and um, so yeah I mean. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today the response from everyone across all walks of life has been crazy I think irrespective of what, how you got to like do the book or whatever it's so good that there finally is and that you're like someone who's captured people's hearts and like they're really interested in you because what that means is as you say it's going to give more representation for people who have suffered similar injuries to you or been through similar things which <clears throat> wasn't there before and I think that's like such a massive part of growing up and learning is realising, like, seeing your privilege in certain situations. And so for me, like, to be able to speak to you and understand your story and for you bringing that to the limelight is going to have such positive repercussions Thank you. for other people in the future, which is amazing. Yeah, whereas um, publisher said, because I painted that painting yeah. of me on the beach um, probably about two weeks before we started talking about the front cover. Was that from a photograph or from... Yeah, so it was... Uh, I think it was 2016 we mm. were got a house down in Dorset near the beach nice. and, um, we went down to the beach one day and it was first time, that was the first time I'd been on a beach since the accident so it's eight years later um, seven years seven years after sorry and I asked my mum to take a photo of me on the beach it's, obviously it was, I wanted to just kind of have that moment mm. and then I decided to turn it into a painting and it was published saying it's one of the few books, one of the only books actually has a wheelchair on the front cover. Oh, wow. I didn't know that at the time, but now that I know that, it's great, and it's great that they were willing and very happy to be part of that as well and wanting to show that. That in itself is a massive thing. Because I was even talking, I run a book club, and we were talking about Mm. yesterday about, like, understanding privilege and stuff. And to go, I had a friend who did the thing where she like, had to try and get around the whole of London in a wheelchair, like, get to and from work. She was like, oh, my God, it took me out. And she was like, I cannot believe how much we don't set up this world for people who have a disability. Oh, no, it's shocking. Like, really, completely shocking. I mean, I get taxis. If I go out in London, I go out in London, not my mates. And if I do, I get, I get a taxi in and out. Mm. And, yeah, it's expensive. It costs a lot of money, but I'd rather spend that money than go through the hassle of getting trains because you can't turn up to a train station no you've got to call up you've got to book you've got to make sure someone's going to be there to help your sister get you on and off the train or use the ramps to get up the stairs and stuff and it's like you you can't just go out and live a life yeah. like everyone else and there are there's a tune map released recently of how many stations have Step are accessible yeah. and it is the number is shockingly low mm. and even there's all these stories about people turning up to stations and the lift's just not working and they haven't mm. been working for months and no one's done anything about it. 
There's like these people live trying to get to work just like everyone else, but they can't. And then people get stuck at home, and it's that's what I think is a really awful thing about it. It's one like it's so great that you're platforming that this story and that people get to know about it. But we need to make space for people with disabilities because they're not a small number. There's so many people, and then as you say, if we're not making this world like okay for people who aren't not just able-bodied people but disabled people as well then it creates the idea that they can't just do whatever they want to do in life which is a massive shame it is and i mean i don't want to get political about it but the government are really screwing people hard the people dis- disabled people like horribly so and mm. it's really it's shocking and it is it's absolutely disgusting what they're doing um but just things like access and need to change and change fast um, because there's something it's called the purple pound uh, the people that, the money that disabled people have to spend that it's being kept out of the economy and right. it's, it's like billions and it's like they why don't they just think if they spend tens of millions sorting all this stuff out give everyone the chance to live get everyone the chance to get around spend money in shops get out mm. work earn a living and feel like they're part of society and contributing and but there's so many barriers and holding yeah. thousands and thousands of people back there's a girl that came, literally came to my book club yesterday and she, had an, she has an autoimmune disease where sometimes her bones will be in like agonising pain mm. so she has to be in a wheelchair in those times she went to go shop on a shopping mall it's open from 8am to 8pm and to, you go and get, you can get a wheelchair you know in this, yeah. but they only had that open from 11am till 3pm She's like, so you're telling me as a disabled person, I can only be within mm. the, the more... Also, who shops at those times? Like that, They're the most antisocial hours. And it's this assumption that people with a disability can just function in like off-peak times or do things outside, which isn't fair and oh, shouldn't no. be. No, not at all. Not completely agree. It's, so everyone... There's always seems to be an excuse that people have, but it just boils down to people just not... Either not caring mm. or to just lying about stuff it's even things just like toilet access there's yeah. people so many stories about people go to bars and restaurants and they go to the disabled loo and the disabled loo is just full it's the restaurant or bar I've used it as a storage area yeah I know I've seen that and it's I've like you can't that. like what, what are you doing it just can't happen someone even um, said they're in a bar and restaurant recently and the disabled loo is just brilliantly fitted out great toilet but was completely in, inaccessible to anyone any disabled person it's like what is the point of having yeah. that in this it's just because it ticks a box and people would mm. lots of places will just do it to tick a box and say we've got we it fit we've the covered. yeah exactly but then no one thinks about the practicalities no one and no one they always do these things and without kind of any involvement from a disabled person. Well, this is the thing. I think what we've done is society does this. It's like dehumanise people with disability. It's like that we we can't see. Whereas I think this is why your book is so important. Is you're like a young guy, and everyone can relate to you on a, on another level apart from your disability. Mm. Like you're just and anyone else, like anyone else. And the fact that you're someone out there with a story, doing really cool stuff, inspiring younger people. I think it's going to have a really positive impact on the way that people look and realise what. A disabled person it's because it's just anyone else it could happen to anyone yeah and I think a massive thing that I want to do with this podcast as well is encourage people to start seeing outside of their their sphere and whether that comes to like fighting against sexism fighting against racism or fighting against ableism all of those things are things that as, like, as we grow up we need to kind of check our privilege and you know platform but are there any ways are there any charities or is there anything that is a good thing to champion if people want to create more disabled access or more Disabled voices in in spaces, or um, but there's a big one called uh, it's called Transport for All. Okay. And it's it's a London based um, uh, it's a London based uh, kind of campaign page, or right. I, I think they're a charity. I'm not entirely sure, but they ch- uh, news on everything that's going on in London, all the cool. cam- and they run loads of campaigns and they're out actually campaigning a lot all the time, and they're brilliant and they're the ones who have put up the tube map that I saw oh, okay, cool. the so I kind of that's where I get a lot of my information yeah. from and because I'm in London a lot I just want to check I'm not entirely sure about others around the country Yeah. But there's another uh, there's a website called the Disability News Service who cover everything about disability in this country and oh, about really government treatment and about other people and it's they're kind of my source of kind of my oracle basically of 
of everything I need to find out and share my views and oh that's so cool I might get them off you and we'll link them in the description yeah. box so people can look as well no that'd be cool because they're I mean I was kind of one of the people foremost and I because I I had no idea about disability until mm. until it happened and I guess the more information we can give people more information you can share with everyone is just it's going to benefit everyone as well yeah and i think it's it's again it's just down to this platform thing the more we see it the more we realize it's a problem but because we don't provide for it and then like how often do you see a disabled model or someone with a disability mm. at the front of a campaign i think it's happening more and more yeah no there are, there, there are lots of there's lots of it happening which is great and it's mm. but it's slow and it's just things like tv presenters yeah is a big one and it bugs me and it's starting to change a bit now, especially with Channel 4, very good at it. But most other channels only use disabled people to present shows about disability. But they also use able-bodied people to present shows about disability. But unless it's about disability, if it's just a normal programme, you won't see a see, disabled yeah. person near it. Yeah. Channel 4, I've changed it with um, the tricks of the restaurant trade. and uh, Sophie Morgan, she's in a wheelchair, she presents cool. and she's very good. Um, but we just need to just give people the chances and just yeah. show that it is just normal. It's not. Yeah. It's not special. It's not to be treated like oh, we feel sorry for them. It's just we're just normal people. I think that's, try, that, trying to live normal lives. One hundred percent. I think the other problem with this is like when you're younger, you kind of get taught that you shouldn't look at someone if they have a disability. Do you remember mm. being taught that like don't oh, look yeah. kind of thing? And I think that's part of the problem is that we think it's like. Yeah, like you say, it's like special, it's like stigmatised. It shouldn't be like that. It should just be like, you're another guy and you happen to be in a wheelchair. Yeah. It's like, um, I don't know if you saw it, The Silent Child. No. It was, um, I think it, it was nominated, maybe even won an Oscar for Best Short Film. Mm. And it was by, written by uh, Rachel Shenton, an actress. Okay. I think she was in Hollyoaks, actually. And it's about a deaf, a deaf girl whose family, she played this... Rachel Shenton plays a kind of social worker, comes in and trying to teach this girl sign language, and the family didn't want it. They thought the girl could survive off lip reading. But it's, and the actual deaf girl in it is a young deaf girl. She's a new little advert. Oh, I think I've heard about it, but I haven't, yeah, carry on. Um, yeah. And she's, she's brilliant in it. And it's, people just think, oh, they'll be fine with this, they'll be fine with that. Mm. They don't, they don't, try and put themselves in the person's shoes and in their spot and how they feel and what they want to do and and it's about this young girl she goes to school and the school will only try and build it off lip reading mm. and this young girl is kind of just completely isolated because she's got no one to talk to no one knows the school haven't set the school up to help her at all mm. or for sign language or anything and they bring up stats at the end and it's like 70% of the schools aren't equipped, equipped for deaf children and it's it's like imagine being that child and you're just literally sat there yeah not knowing anything that's going on you're trying to lip read but then you can't someone's talking next to you you have no idea what's going on and it's it's shocking at the end it's very moving actually at the very end um it's just things like that you just think these like they shouldn't have to fight for these things they should no, just I agree. be there and the problem is as well because you won't I don't have people with disability in power as well so they're mm. the ones that aren't that you don't have those voices or those people and that's the thing all of the decisions about disabled people's lives have been made by those who don't have a disability right. and it's like these things that just don't make sense no and it's I mean it's the same with um gender sexuality race yes. all those things they're exactly. all we're all under the same umbrella these things shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing. It's 2018. No. Like we need to get over it and just everyone seems to accept people are different, but we should all be treated equally. There shouldn't be. Do you think having a disability like now this happened? Do you think you view the world like really differently in terms of like where you see injustice? Are you like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, going going back to the accident, I grew up. I mean, a very privileged life. Our parents always taught us to kind of accept people for who they are, like mm. just because someone's disabled or anything you're like why they, why should we treat them differently, differently yeah. it's kind of just no need for it it's strange that people do mm. um but now i'm in a position where i am kind of part of a group of people that are treated poorly and 
aren't given the same opportunities and then I've suddenly realised, well, I've been given a platform, why don't I use it to champion people and champion campaigns to help people? Yeah. Whether it be disability, gender, anything, like exactly. these things have to change. Yeah. At the moment in this world, uh, people are willing to change, but mm. still huge amounts and huge numbers of people that aren't. And it's sad, like this, people go out of their way to stop people from doing things and it's I, d- I just don't understand it no it's really difficult and it's hard like there's even things with like obviously invisible disabilities and stuff but they're bringing out badges I think now um, so you can get on the tube with it. it's a little blue badge isn't it yeah it's that's the other thing it's people always assume disabilities you have a wheelchair you right. have some kind of giant aid to show people that you have a disability and people don't understand especially Kind of a lot of muscular diseases and yeah. people like the go you met with the autoimmune. Yeah. From the outside, you wouldn't see it, but oh, then, I have no idea. But on the inside, their bodies will be hurting. Their bodies will be struggling a lot of the time. And people will just like, well, you don't have a disability. I can't see it. And, and just just never assume. Mm. Like if someone, lots of times, the stories of people who have a disability parked in a disabled bay. And they've got out of the car and people have shouted at them, like, why are you parking there? And it's like, just never assume. No. Never. If they've got a blue badge in the car, then they deserve to park there, no matter what. Yeah. No matter how they look, how they walk, how it's... I just think we're not almost not taught about enough... Like, it's just it's just the problem that the default person is, like, a healthy, fit, young, white man, normally. Like, mm. there's no, no... You don't really see people of colour, you don't necessarily see people with disability. And I think... Obviously, I don't. It's not your responsibility. I feel like now, yeah, I'm like Henry, yeah. <laughs> you speak for all disabled people yeah. in the world. But like, it is amazing that, that you've done this because I guess as well, the other side of this could be that I think what a lot of what happens with a lot of people with disability is it is a really difficult thing. The world doesn't seem to be ready for them in that they can't get transport, they can't do certain things, and so they do feel like actually I've got to, I've just got to hide now. Yeah, and lots lots of people do. They will just stay in their homes and they will isolate themselves from mm. people and it's a shame and it's, you shouldn't have to live your life like that it's, no. every, it's people it's not their disability holding the back it's everyone, it's other people it's the government it's businesses it's it is individuals at times and it's not themselves it's not a choice it's it's being forced upon them and it shouldn't it just shouldn't be it shouldn't be no. happening but going, I feel like, so we didn't really talk about too much sad stuff, but like on a more like positive side, you're obviously looking so much like, because as we're reading the book, you read through your journey and you, you face, I mean, I don't know how you did it. I really, I always try and imagine like if I was in that situation, would I be able to do the things that you did? Like you say, like coming off a ventilator, challenging yourself and you do like sit-ups and stuff now and you look, you look like fitter and stronger in yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of being in the gym, trying to get strong and as fit as possible has always, always been something I love. Yeah. Yes, it's kind of not the same strength I had, not the same exercise I was doing, but it's the exact same challenge. Mm. It's trying to push my body to get the most out of it as I possibly can. And yes, I've only got very few working muscles, and those sit ups I spoke about, that was an eight year process to get to that point. Um, it's been a long slog. I mean, the mm. exercises at starting at the beginning was just kind of hundreds of reps of uh, physio another physio or my mum or one of my brothers moved my arms for me and then over time I just built it and built it and to anyone from the outside those things may not seem like progress but to me no matter how small progress is it's still progress you're still making progress why not look at it in that way even if it's minimal but I always looked at it as it was progress I've improved I've done better I've done one more rep than last time I've done a few hundred grams more weight than last time and those those make things make a massive difference to your mindset when you're trying to move on and progress and yeah um and that's just how I looked at it and I got the uh, ventilator got off record time trackwheel to me I got in record time and those are the goals I set myself and I wanted mm. to prove to never in my life I guess I'd never proved anyone wrong I'd never pushed things to that point. And then in hospital, I wanted to do that. I wanted to do because I wanted to do things a lot of the time in hospital. They just said, is everything, they just spoke about all the things I couldn't do. Yeah. And I wanted to show to them that I can do these things. I want, 
and in hospital, a lot of the staff thought it was denial in my me because they thought I wasn't accepting my situation. But I had. I just wanted to try and prove things. What was it? Was it your physio? Your who was the lady that was amazing? That um, Ruth. Ruth. Yeah, she was awesome. She was incredible, and she was a, she's a massive part of my story. Yeah. Um, she sounds great. So, so for context, she's a physio, right? Or yeah. And she basically would encourage Henry to do lots of things at the hospital, like oh no, you can't do them, and she didn't care. She like well, she believed in you because you believed in yourself, basically. Yeah, and she didn't see me wanting to do more as denial she saw it as okay you want to try and do it and we'll do it she never but never did she want to kind of give me false hope in anything mm. she, she saw that I wanted to try things and she'd be trying to get me to try new things as well and our whole mindset was if it doesn't work it doesn't work we'll try something else but if it doesn't work that one time it doesn't mean it won't work later on so yeah. we revisit it later and those things are just those little tips that she was giving her, then we're like, okay, we'll take those and try them with these. Every other exercise I've done, we've always tried it. And whether it didn't work, we'll come back later. And the other thing she was saying is, in hospital, it's very much, it's almost like a list of things. Right. By level of injury, what you can and can't do. And in hostel, it'd be like, okay, if you can't do one and two, you can't do three and four. So we'll go back and keep trying one over and over again until something may happen. But her mindset, okay, if one and two didn't work, why not try three? Why not try four? Why not try all these things? All these, no one with, whether it's injuries, disability, no one across any form of disability really are like for like. It's very rare to find. Yeah, do you think that that comes, do you think a little bit of that prejudice has seeped into the medical, the way that the the world looks at it? It's like kind of like, well, you've got a disability, so do you know what I mean? Or do you think it, Oh, that's a lot of um, no I think a lot of stuff in hospitals and physios are kind of the hands are tied a lot of the time right. by health and safety yeah. and about I think just think at times they don't want to kind of give patients that false hope yeah it must be hard but it's trying to get patients to understand that it's not false hope it's just trying to trying to get things done trying to yeah. help you improve and a lot of the time people don't want to do the physio either and that's their choice I don't begrudge them that at all I just liked physical stuff so I wanted yeah. to do um, and I could see long term it would benefit me and it has benefited me massively doing all those things early on and, and really pushing it but it was really lovely as well like when you're reading it, it was so like life affirming when you're reading the parallels between you saying like you've always played with, like rugby with your brothers you've always been really competitive and that you found in this thing like doing a physio and do, fighting that fight that suddenly it was like a little light and you're like I'm going to do this yeah and I guess it was there's one of the things that I could really kind of grab onto and yeah. say alright this is the illnesses and stuff will happen I can't stop that from happening but I, if I'm in that physio room I'm going to give it 100% it's only I'm only going to be there for an hour each day why not really push it mm. I can rest at other times it's fine but whilst I'm there I'm going to push it I'm going to do as many reps as I can do all these things no matter how small it is I'm going to give it my all I think like that's such an amazing like you saying before that when because I'm a bit like this and not so much more but when I was younger I was 100% like that I thought if someone could do something better than me I was like well they can just do it because I don't yeah. want to like be rejected yeah, or yeah. fail and then you're saying now, like, I'm just going to do a thing. Honestly, when I was reading it, I was writing notes on my phone. I was like, no, you're doing this this week. You're not doing that. You're going to get that done. And I know that it, it's like, shouldn't take you having an accent for me <laughs> to have this realisation. But it is like so many people could take away from that. And your, like, your story is just so overwhelmingly life-affirming. So when I am moaning or anyone's moaning about certain things, it's like not like what would Henry do I mean we could make that so <laughs> but it is it no, is a really amazing yeah. because other people don't I don't think that I don't know I just never seen a situation like this where I was so in awe of the way that you reacted to it like it is thank you fab I'm not just trying to butt you up because I'm thank here you. I mean I'm a tan a bit but it's fine no but it's why <laughs> we um, it's why we emphasize the, the little bit things yeah because it's part of one of the things in when I give talks is one of the sections of the talk and when um, published, I thought, we use that as a title, I thought, kind of, okay, we'll go for it. And then yeah. when I wrote the book, it just seemed so perfect. Yeah. Like, everything. Whether it be, I don't know, whether it be when I'm working out and there's little progresses that make you feel good, whether it's kind of I'm 
just sitting with my family I'm thinking oh, I'm sitting with my family it's fantastic or my friends mm. and it's those little things that if you just think about them suddenly you're like oh these are this, these are great they are big things they are yeah. they're not just little they make you feel good it's, there's no point dwelling on there's no point dwelling on all kind of negative stuff it really just doesn't do anyone any good why not but why not just find any positive you possibly can exactly it's, and I never had that mindset before the accident and I guess it did take me the accident to realise these things and um, so I kind of I don't begrudge people too much for thinking like that but it's I just want people to think more about those things because yeah. I've been on both sides of it big time and I'm much further being on this side yeah but it's true like I'd, I'd already in my life I had actually made an active decision to be less negative like as I got older I remember you know I used to be that quite negative about things mm. And then, that, and then since reading your book, again, I do that. And it does change your complete outlook on life. And if you're in a place where your mental health allows you to make... Because I know that some people, I guess, unfortunately, if your mental health doesn't allow you to, yeah. it can be a difficult thing to, yeah. to see the good in things. But if you are able to, it's amazing how much of a difference just that one small... Instead of, like, seeing what you don't have, see what something gives you. Like you were saying, like, you can just see what add, is added to your life rather than what's been taken away. Yeah. And I have... I mean, I have been given so much... Um, because of the accident, because of what's happened to me. Um, so I'm kind of very grateful for that and grateful for everything I have got and everything I'm still able to do. Like, why not, if I've got it, why not try and make the most of the things I'm able to do? Mm. So everyone else, just, just if you, whatever you can do, just do it. Yeah. And see what happens. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but giving it a try and, and try something else you've learned from it. Yeah, and I think overall as well, especially the most important thing is clearly like, irrespective of your disability, you're an incredible writer, an incredible orator, amazing painter, and all of those things are great. And I think what you're doing in terms of helping people to understand um, a disability from such a great perspective and also just being open and honest enough, some of the stuff you write in the book is so raw and real, um, which is I'm sure is a massive task to kind of think, actually, I'm sharing this. So I think a lot of people... Well, if you haven't read the book, you need to read it. Or I'll personally be annoyed. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been amazing to talk to you. No, thank you for having me on. Really bad. enjoyed it. And Henry's actually wearing a jumper. It's one of your ones, isn't it? It says, it's a quote from the book. Every day is a good oh, yeah. day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good thing to, to finish on. Um, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.